This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is 790 Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astroline. The official off-season show of your Houston Astros. Carlos Correa, the hero. Let's talk Astros baseball. Call 713-212-5790. That's 713-212-5790. It's the wall and it's gone. George Springer goes yard. Live from Pluckers Wing Bar on Shepherd. This is 790 Astro Line. And greetings from Pluckers Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston. Another edition. Of Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. I'm Robert Ford, radio broadcaster for the Astros. And pleased to be joined this week by a special guest. Didn't have to travel far to get here, although this time of day, everything seems like it's far because of traffic. But good to have uh, Brandon Backey joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be back again. And Brandon pitched for the Astros for six seasons, parts of eight seasons in the big leagues. Also pitched for for Tampa Bay and... uh, now, good to have you here, and uh, you're out in, uh, you're from Galveston originally. Born and uh, raised. Galveston Ball High School, Galveston yep. Community College, and uh, you live out in the Lake City area now, is that Lake right? Lake City area, yes, sir. So what, um, now I know you do, you have a baseball school out there, right? I do. It's it's actually based out of Alvin. Okay. Uh, but it's uh, bottom of the ninth, and uh, seven years of existence now, and still running. You got any uh, future big leaguers on the way? Uh, I had a pretty good pitcher last year, and uh uh, he's a senior this year, so hopefully he does well. And uh, he's already signed, and uh, who knows? He's got potential, that's for sure. All right, and you, know, you pitched eight seasons in the big leagues. You know, and let's let's go back to the beginning. Well, not all the way to the beginning, but <laughs> you weren't drafted as a pitcher. I was not. You were drafted by the Rays in the 18th round back in 1998 out of Galveston Community College. After, as we mentioned, playing at Galveston Ball High School, and you were an infielder, uh, second base. I was originally drafted as a second baseman yeah uh however in the three years that i i played in the minor leagues uh as a hitter i played every position except for uh pitcher and catcher yeah because you played some outfield yeah, yeah you you kind of you kind of moved around was it one of those things where they were looking at you the rays were looking at you as like a utility guy or did you, was it just the kind of what the need was yeah I, I guess i if they just needed to put a label on me when they drafted me maybe that was it maybe yeah. that's what they thought they were going to use me as uh but you know, I, I didn't play second base. Uh, the last time I played second base before I got drafted was uh, maybe my sophomore, freshman year in high school. Yeah. So uh, they just threw it out there. I accepted it. I, I didn't care. I just got drafted and I wanted to go play ball. Right. And what was it like? Because, I mean, you mentioned you got drafted in 98. That was the first year of the then Devil Rays That's right. uh, franchise. So you were one of their, their first draft picks. And, I mean, everything was, was brand new. You had to probably feel like, I mean, it was this wasn't like some established organization with all these entrenched big leaguers. I mean, you had to kind of feel like it was wide open. Well, you know, uh, at the time, I didn't know anything about baseball or yeah. major league baseball, right. professional baseball. Uh, you know, I didn't. I probably lost rounds uh, not accepting of being a pitcher. 
Uh, I wanted to be a hitter because the only thing I knew about professional pitchers is they ran a lot and <laughs> pitched every five days. So uh, I'm more of a guy that wanted to play every day, get my, my uniform dirty, and uh, try to contribute every day to, to a win. So um, that was my mindset, and, and uh, I was a good athlete, so I just figured that was the better way for me to go and what I would like to do. Uh, so I, I uh, took it, played for three years, but ended up making the change anyways. So there were teams that wanted to draft you as a pitcher coming out of out of community college? Yeah, if my memory serves me correct, uh, I, I think out of five teams that wanted to draft me, four of them wanted me as a pitcher, and mm-hmm. the lone shark there was uh, Tampa Bay, and uh, that's what I wanted to do. How much did you pitch in high school and, and, uh, and at, at Galveston? So I pitched a lot in high school. Yeah. Uh, even as a freshman on varsity. Uh I filled in some spots there when, when needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, my junior and senior years, both years, uh, I pitched around 100 innings both years. And that's 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 a lot of innings for a high schooler to pitch. Sure. Uh, but I always took the ball, and I felt good. And, and uh, I knew that uh, our team needed me to do that to be successful. Um, so I pitched a lot in high school. And in college, I think my numbers were only 26-plus innings. Mm-hmm. Uh you, I was used predominantly as a as a uh, closer in college, uh, although I did start at least one game, I, I remember. But uh, I didn't get many innings in college. Just tried to weed myself out of that position. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you drafted as an infielder, wound up playing all over the diamond, as you mentioned, everywhere except pitcher and catcher for three seasons. You got up to double-A in 2000. 2001, you started the conversion to pitcher. In the in the Devil Ray system. First of all, what was that conversation like, mm. and and how did they? When did they approach you about making the switch? Yeah, it was tough because it was about a month left in the season, uh, and uh, in two thousand, in two thousand, okay, and it, it kind of went. It was good, but bad. Um, the good news was they were telling me I was getting called up to to Double A. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, as we know, September comes around. Triple A guys go up to the big leagues, so Double A guys go to Triple A, and so on and so forth. Right. So I'd like to say that I got I was credited to, to get going up there because of my performance, but uh, it was probably more due to uh, the lack of players because of the movement. But um, uh, you know he, he, they they often then in the same sentence or in the same conversation they said they'd like for me to come back next year or to extended spring training uh-huh. uh, as a pitcher, and it kind of floored me and, and, and I was taken aback and. And, uh, you know, three years before, earlier, I didn't want to be a pitcher. Right. You know, I chose to be a hitter because I had that option. But, uh, you know, I told him, I, I, give me a couple of days to think about it. I called those loved ones of mine and talked to them about it and and, uh, and just ultimately made the decision. I, you know, it was either potentially getting released uh, because I wasn't performing as well as they wanted me to right. as, as a position player. Or uh, give it a go because I know that I, I mean, you know, it's not like it was riding a bike, but I had a good arm and, you know, it wasn't too far from pitching. I, I, I can learn it. I can get back on there. And, uh, you know, so uh, I accepted it, went back uh, into extended spring training, and that's where it all started. In 2001, extended spring training? That's right. Yeah. So you didn't go to an instructional league in 2000 or anything? or. Instructional League, is I did go there. I, I'm sorry. I went to uh, Instructional League after okay. the 2000 and, season. Right. And then went to uh, extended spring training uh, the next following year. We're talking with former Astros pitcher Brandon Backey and making the conversion to, to pitcher. So 2001, 
you start that conversion. And the next year, 2002, you're in the big leagues with Tampa Bay. So, I mean, it's that's as you, you mentioned, you know, you had some reservations about making the switch and uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily the, something that you were necessarily looking forward to when they brought when they proposed it to you. But you had to feel some validation being able to get to the big leagues that quick, like really less than a year since you had, you had started yeah. really pitching. Yeah, you know, it just, uh, once again, I, I felt fresh at the time. I hadn't pitched in a while, and, and uh, I was I was throwing, you know, somewhere between 93 and 97 yeah. consistently. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was a good thrower at the time, you know, being, making the conversion. I wouldn't have considered myself a pitcher. I was fairly accurate just throwing the ball as hard as I could in that direction of the catcher and trying to beat the hitter, you know, and uh, it worked. And, and that season, uh, 2001, I moved up the levels pretty quickly. I only spent a, m- a month in, in three different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was mowing them down left and right, and, and uh, I was getting rewarded by uh, from Tampa Bay, and, and uh, they saw the potential there. And, and I can't thank them any more than, than I have. I mean, I, I just uh, – it's uh, – it's been great. For It was a great thing that they opened my eyes to. And, you know, you get to the big leagues in, in 2002. You also got there in 2003 at Tampa Bay. Both years you're, you're back and forth between the majors and, and, and the minors. And you didn't get to start any games. You're a reliever at this time. You, you All 37 appearances you had in the big leagues were as a reliever. And I believe may all but maybe like just a couple that you had in the minors with Tampa Bay were as a reliever as well. Did you – at this point, think, all right, I am a reliever. In the back of your mind, you think, you know what, I, I used to start in, in high school. Is, is You know, that's something that I, I'd be interested in. Yeah, at the time, I, I didn't really care. I was wearing a big league uniform. Yeah. It really didn't matter. Uh, I'm, I'm out there to do whatever job that uh, Lou Pinella at the time uh, wanted me to do. And, and uh, you know, no one's going to backtalk him or try to change his <laughs> ways. So uh, he, was, he was pretty intimidating as, as a manager, especially being a, a rookie. Uh, you know, I just knew to, to not step on anybody's toes. I just put my head down, get my work in, and, and when, when my name's called to, to take the ball and take the mound, uh, go out there and give everything I have. And, uh, you know, it, I didn't think about being a starter at the time, you know. So. Yeah. So, you know, you get to the big leagues, and, I mean, you, you know, you grew up in the Houston area, you grew up an Astros fan. When you got to the big leagues, I mean, there's always kind of that welcome to the big leagues moment, and there are always going to be some guys that you're going to face that, you know, you grew up watching on TV or playing against them or with them in video games and stuff like that. Was, was there anybody that really stands out to you when you got to the big leagues that you face? And maybe not at the moment, but maybe later you thought, wow, I, I just faced this guy. Yeah, you know, my first game that I pitched in in the big leagues was against Toronto, and uh, my first batter I faced was Shannon Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good player. He had some pretty. He had some time in at that at that time, and uh, so he was he was in the big leagues when I was in college, and so I watched him. And I'm here we go, you know, run to the mound, <laughs> which I don't even remember running to the mound. And here comes this guy walking in the plate who's established, and uh, you know, needless to say, I threw four straight balls. <laughs> couldn't figure out where the ball was going, and uh, literally couldn't feel the ball, but. Uh, uh, one or two batters later, uh, Carlos Delgado steps up to the plate. So, And that was when he was really in his prime. Absolutely. And uh, I got him to whiff it a couple balls and, and, and got him to strike out, and that was my first strikeout. So it kind of just got the nerves off of me. But, uh, you know, the, the next series we went to Boston, 
and I'm facing uh, Nomar Garcia Parra and uh, and Manny Ramirez. Uh, so those are names that, you know, yeah, you're right. When they when you try not to, anybody that steps into the box, they're against you. I'm against them, and right. I'm, my job is to get them out. But uh, you know, I'd be a fool to say that I didn't know who was coming up at the time and, and was a little t- intimidated. But uh, I was hoping they looked out at me and felt like, oh, my gosh, who's this guy? But you know, I don't think they felt that way. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I just uh, the biggest names when we're, we're talking about names was uh, Bagwell and Bizio. Yeah. I didn't get to play against them. Uh, I'm sure they were easy outs, but uh, <laughs> just playing. E- easy outs all the way to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you, know, you mentioned you grew up an Astros fan. What are, what are some of your, your early memories as a youngster watching the Astros and following the Astros? Did you get to the Astrodome a lot growing up? Uh, we went uh, occasionally. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it was just uh, we were so busy with, with me playing sports or my brother playing sports, my father playing softball. Um, I don't, you know, I remember going. I don't yeah. remember why we didn't go a lot. But, uh, you know, we are in Galveston, so it was a pretty far drive for us to, to make plans. But, uh, you know, the one thing I do remember, I told this story the other day with, with somebody, and uh, my first time going to the Astrodome that I remember, uh, I can still, I remember the concourse. You, you can't see the field when you're walking the concourse. Right. But I can remember walking the concourse and then getting to our section and then walking through that little tunnel. And then all of a sudden, there's all these colorful seats and this awesome field yeah. with uh, with these big guys running around on the field like, like kids. And um, I just remember that moment, walking through and seeing the Astrodome and, and for the first time. And uh, it was really special to me. And obviously, I, I still have that memory. Uh, but uh, watching them. In the years of my adolescence, you know, Nolan Ryan was always there. Sure. Mike Scott, uh, Glenn Davis was somebody that my mother loved. Um, so, you know, the names go on and on. Uh, we had, we've had many of great players in, in, our, in the history of the Astros, and, and uh, I was just a big fan. I, I loved baseball. It was my number one sport as a kid. And uh, I loved watching them, pl- them play on, I think it was HSC. Yeah, oh, yeah, day. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, so uh, it was uh, it was a good time, man. I just uh, I just love watching the Astros, and, and they inspired me. The, all those players inspired me to play the game uh, to the best of my b- ability. You mentioned Nolan Ryan. Was was he your favorite player at the time or growing up, or did, was there somebody else? You or? know, I, I think my – I mean, obviously he was, he was definitely one of them. Uh, but I, I think my first – favorite player was King Griffey Jr. Okay. Um, I, I don't know why because I, I played, uh, other than the obvious, uh, I played shortstop. You know, most of my, my career as a young kid when he first got in, but his energy and the things that he was capable of doing uh, offensively and defensively, sure. the, the all-around player is, uh, is what I thought was special about him, and he got all the notoriety at the time as well, so he was popular. Um, but uh, and it's kind of odd because, you know, they were in the American League and, and we're in the National League at the time. So it's not like I got to see him come play. Right. Uh, but watching on TV, just just he was an exceptional athlete. And the things that he did were, were it was very hard not to like him. I can't tell you how many 
baseball players, current baseball players, I've asked that same question. And how many of them say King Griffey Jr.? It's not always the obvious either. Like, you know, I mean, like, you know, you think about Jason Castro. He, he That was his favorite player. I mean, left-handed hitter makes sense. Yep. But even guys who weren't left-handed hitters, weren't outfielders growing up, that that's still, I mean, because he was just so charismatic and just so talented. I think you hit the nail on the head right yeah. there with his charisma. I mean, you know, all the – all the uh, home run derby contests that he wore his hat backwards, you know, right. kind of rebel, but but chari- char- charismatic, you know. And uh, uh, I think that just that drew the young, the youth into watching him and liking him. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't just as what he what he did on the field; it was also how he carried himself. So. We're going to talk more with Astros pitcher Brandon Backey. I'd like to remind you, Astros spring training tickets are now available. 2000 spring training, 2017 spring training will be the Astros' inaugural season at the new ballpark of the Palm Beach. is located in West Palm Beach, Florida. The site will include many fan-friendly and state-of-the-art amenities. For more information, visit ballparkofthepalmbeaches.com. Astro Line, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, will continue live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd, on the Houston Astros radio network. <laughs> Welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing Company, coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar on 1400 Shepherd. Hey, don't forget, 2017 Astros season tickets are on sale now. Enjoy some of the best seats at Minute Maid Park, save money, and receive great benefits throughout the season. Call one eight seven seven nine astros or visit astros.com slash season tickets to get your seats today. Robert Ford joined by former Astros pitcher Brandon Backey. We just heard some highlights from Game 4 of the 2005 NLCS that you pitched in against the the St. Louis Cardinals and uh, uh, you know Tom Brenneman, I mean, who was the broadcaster in that in that that clip from the television. I mean, I think he he really summed it up. You know, it's the stuff dreams are made of. You you're pitching for your hometown team. You got traded to the Astros prior to the 2004 season for Jeff Blum, who actually was our guest on Astro Line two weeks ago, and uh, is on the TV broadcast now and. Here you are pitching in the postseason, trying to get the Astros to the World Series. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh man, I, I uh, and I still get goosebumps when I hear that. To be honest with you, it was uh, the greatest game I've ever pitched in, in my whole career, and uh, especially because of the the lineup that I faced. Uh, the Cardinals were very strong that, sure. that year, and and uh, to be able to perform the way, the way I did, and to get a little lucky, I guess, on a couple of them. Was uh, was awesome. I mean, it just uh, I couldn't. That that memory will never leave my, my mind, no doubt. And when I heard that again, it's been a while since I've heard it, but uh, it just brought back memories. Yeah, Astros, of course, winning that game on Jeff Kent's walk-off three-run home run in the ninth inning. But you know, eight shutout innings allowed just one hit. That was a single by Tony Womack in the sixth. He took a no-hitter into the sixth inning, and it was a little oh bloop, wasn't it? Uh, I, I left the slider over the plate, and he yanked it through the hole, first and second. Oh, man, every time I watched it on TV again, it, you know, it just I should have made a better pitch. With all the good pitches I threw that night, you know, he, and, and the two pitches before that, I went 2-0 on him, and, and then 
the two pitches before, uh, after the after I went 2-0 on him, he, mm-hmm. he ended up swinging that, which put me back into good shape, you know, 2-2. And then I knew I had him right then. It's all night. I had the slider working, and yeah. I just carried it over. I didn't want to go to 3-2 on him and, and carried it over the harder plate, and he, he did a good job of not doing too much to it. And, Punch through the hole. One of the cool things about about that game five in uh, in two thousand and four was, I mean, it was a scoreless game until Jeff Kent's walk off homer. I mean, Woody Williams, also from the Houston area, was pitching for St. Louis and he pitched a great game. He also just allowed one hit. He went seven innings, one inning fewer than than you did. And I mean, that that's pretty cool. Two Houston kids pitching at at Minute Maid Park to try and and help their team get to the world series i mean it, it you know re- really neat moment for for this for this area yeah it was and i've talked to woody about it obviously he he came to us after that game after right. that season and and uh you know he 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 and i shared a, a moment there talking about the game and how well it was how fun it was pitching against each other and, and and competing that way you know you get back in the dugout after going three up three down and Next thing you know, you look up, and he's gone three up, three down, and I got to get right back up and get back at it. You know, it was kind of fun because I think pitchers, we want to have that uh, that rhythm. You know, it, it, it's nice to have runs scored. Sure. Uh, you know, but, but a four or five run inning can last 30 minutes, and sitting down that long can, can throw you out of whack a little bit. It sounds funny. You know, you're a professional athlete. You should be able to handle it. Well, you know, it just there's a rhythm there. And for us to, to be doing as well as we did, I think we fed off of each other. The rhythm and timing was there for both of us. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that we both did well. We're going to be joined now by Lauren Blackwell. You may recognize Lauren from uh, video board appearances at, at Minute Maid Park, uh, MCs during the uh, um, on-field promotions. Lauren, you got a, a question from the audience. Yeah, so James from Conroe wants to know, you know, we've heard all these stories about Jeff since we'll be celebrating Baggy all season long. Do you have any personal stories of yourself and Jeff? Well, I mean, you know, we go back. Both Jeff and Craig, the first time I met them, uh, I let them know that I, I used to watch them play when I was in diapers. And, it, you know, it's kind of the icebreaker <laughs> there. Of course, I was really 13 when they got back, when they got into the league and, uh, uh there were there were moments that we had, uh, you know, I, the the biggest moment I guess on field with with Jeff was my first home run that I hit. Uh, I literally when when I hit it, I didn't know it was going to go out. I knew I hit it well. It was opposite field, and I'm running around first base, and I see that it, it cleared the fence, and and. I throw my arm up in, in excitement, and I'm literally running around the bases, and I'm going, Tampa Bay messed up. They should have kept me as a hitter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I get back in the dugout, and I'm pumped up, and I'm ready to go, and it's just, you know, the linebacker in me comes out, and Jeff grabs me and pulls me aside, and he says, you still got a pitch. <laughs> I said, you're right, you're right. And, and then he actually guided me out for a uh, curtain call. First home run, first curtain call. So I, I believe it was the first Astros pitcher to hit a home run in Minute Maid at the time. So, um, yeah, to get that curtain call and then Jeff calming me down and, and getting me back to focus, that, that was the the uh, professionalism in him and, and, and how uh, he was a leader. As a pitcher, and especially for you, because you had been a position player originally, drafted as a position player, a lot of pitchers – like to think they can really hit 
and or really want to hit. Love when they get that opportunity. Boy, do they! <laughs> Where were you? Were you in that? Were you in that boat? Were you somebody oh, who still just relished every time you got to step in the batter's box? I took hitting very serious. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would take up time in the cages from the hitters. You know, and they'd <laughs> get sure mad they at me. And, yeah. uh, but you know, I, I think that they saw. You know, Craig and Jeff and and all the other veterans on the team. They they give me a little rousing about going in there and and, and doing it, but. Um, you know, I take their I take their criticism as um, that they they understand that I care about all facets of the game. Yeah, um, I was certainly in shape enough to to handle it, and I just took hitting serious. And I wasn't too far from hitting in the in the minor leagues, right? And, and doing and having a great year in college. So uh, the capability was there. I knew I could hit. I knew I could. I could. I could at least contribute in games right. that I play in. Right. And. Uh, at the very least, I'm going to make sure that that pitcher out there doesn't feel like he's. I'm an easy out. Uh, so I took it very serious. Talking with Brandon Backey and Lauren Blackhole joins us again with another question from the audience. Yeah, so earlier you mentioned, you know, going to Boston and facing Nomar, or going to these other ballparks and some of the big names. Um, is there a player that you didn't like to face or, or dreaded kind of, oh, I have to face this guy again? Well, I didn't necessarily dislike anybody. Um, uh, I, I certainly had my tiffs out there on the field and, and with with some players, but uh, um, you know, there's. It's a good question because it always comes up: who who was the toughest hitter to face? And with all the years facing the Cardinals, you you know, you would expect my answer to be Albert Pujols. Although I, I just accepted it, the challenge with him, and and I, I think I had some pretty good success, um, but. Uh, Michael Young, sure, was uh, was was my kryptonite. I mean, he was I, a tremendous hitter. I think it was Brad Ausmus that brought it to my attention. Um, of course, when I was with Tampa, I had faced him when he was with uh, Texas, right, uh, a, a few times, mm-hmm. and um, I knew I I had I knew he had gotten me a couple times then, and then it, it carried over playing against him with the Astros. Well. He brings it. Osmus comes up to me one day. He brings it to my attention. He said, "Do you know that Michael Young is nine for nine off of you?" <laughs> Thanks, and I Brad. Said, oh, great. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, going nine for nine his first nine at bats off of me was uh, uh, a punch in the gut. But you know, eventually I ended up getting. But I think he was overall. I think he probably had a four hundred batting average against me. Well, it's. I mean. He's really good. I think he's one of the. He's a guy everybody forgets about. But he was. I mean, he had over two thousand hits. He was a fantastic hitter. You know, I I, I teach baseball, and uh, a lot of hitting styles that you know. There's a lot of hitting styles out there, but I base a lot of my teaching off of what he did. Off of Michael Young. Yes, he he gets his foot down early, mm-hmm. and 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 gets it out of the way, and then sees the ball out of the hand, and then just throws the hands at the ball. Uh, you know, trying to stride and swing at the same time can throw off a hitter's timing very easily. Uh, so he gets that front foot down, uh, the timing mechanism, down so early that when I'm in the windup throwing to him, I, I'm a hand over or hand overhead guy. I put my head down, and I, then I look back up to the plate. And when I get my, my sights back on the plate, he's already got his foot down. It's a little intimidating. Like, hey, man, I ain't even got the ball coming to you yet, and he's already ready. But I think that was uh, uh, the reason why he was successful because he – 
he just got that out of the way. He wasn't trying to hit the ball 500 feet. Right. He knows that he can hit the ball 350 feet, 375 feet, with just the way that he did it. The deal is, is he got the barrel on the ball a lot of times, which is what got him to be the, success, the successful hitter that he was. We'll have more with uh, Astros pitcher, former Astros pitcher Brandon Backey. Hey, don't forget, college baseball returns to Minute Maid Park. Join us March 3rd through the 5th for the 2017 Shriners Hospital for Children College Classic. Three-day tournament will feature Mississippi, Baylor, Texas Tech, A&M, TCU, and LSU. For more information and tickets, visit astros.com slash collegeclassic. We'll continue with Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company live from Plucker's Wing Bar and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. And welcome back to Astro Line presented by Carbock Brewing Company coming to you live from Pucker's Wing Bar. 1400 Shepherd. Hey, the Astros will be celebrating Jeff Bagwell's election into the Hall of Fame throughout 2017. A special five-game ticket package is now available. Thank package you. includes tickets to the Bagwell Hall of Fame weekend in August and access to exclusive Bagwell-themed giveaways. Visit astros.com slash miniplans for more information. Hey, I'd like to remind you that the next Astro Line is next Thursday, the 16th. Steve Sparks will be the host, yes, to be determined. And that will be the last show at Plucker's Wing Bar, because we'll be heading down to beautiful West Palm Beach for spring training. But make sure you come out here uh, the 16th for the last Astro Line here. And by the way, the show's down in West Palm Beach uh, with the Astros moving their spring facility from Kissimmee. They'll be at a, a new spot down there, Duffy's Sports Grill, which is on Clemente Street in West Palm Beach. Those shows will be the 22nd of February, March 2nd, March 9th. And March 14th at uh, Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, down in West Palm Beach, Duffy Sports Grill. That's 225 Clemente Street down in Florida. So certainly hope you can uh, make it out there if you make it out to spring training. We're talking with Brandon Backey tonight here at Pluckers. And uh, just played a highlight. We talked earlier about your first career home run. Uh, the highlight we heard was actually your third career home run. You hit four in your career. And that home run came in uh, May of 2008 against Manny Parra of the Brewers. And one of two you hit that year. You hit, in 2008, you had 277, two homers, two doubles. I mean, you had to be thinking, what, what, what the heck am I doing with on the mound? What's going on? Well, I, I was thinking, <laughs> what, what am I doing? I was, I was thinking, what am I doing batting at ninth? <laughs> and Osmus is batting eighth. He's got to switch us. <laughs> no, no, just throwing that one out there at him. But, uh, yeah, you know, like I said before the break, I, I, I took hitting legit. You know, I mean, I was in the cage where no, when nobody was there um, and, and just hitting off the, the tee and the and the, the pitching machine. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to keep myself fresh. I just like it. I love to hit. I loved it. I, it was just there's nothing better. I, don't, I mean, I, I love pitching and I loved all everything that I did as far as being on the mound. But. There's nothing better than connecting with the ball and hitting it over the fence. Honestly, I think that it's the greatest, the greatest thing that baseball can give you, is or the accomplishment, you know, individually. So, um, I just, I just love to do it, man. That's all there was to it. I love baseball, but hitting was was really fun to me. All right. So last segment we were talking about 
Yeah, hitters you, you didn't like to face. You mentioned Michael Young. So I looked up some numbers. Here. Oh, gosh. And uh, Was 400 low? Yes. <laughs> Michael Young hit 733 off of you. He oh. was 11 for 15 with three homers and a double. <laughs> So uh, that's not a guy you miss facing by any means. Uh, However, you know, you talk about Albert Pujols, so you always relish that challenge. You did okay. I mean, 5 for 18 off of you, 278. That's, I mean, that's pretty good. And uh, although four of the five hits were home runs. but uh, And I have to imagine, and I've talked with other Astros pitchers, you know, of that era, you know, when Pujols was with the Cardinals and the Astros were in the, in the National League Central. You know, there was always so much focus, obviously, whenever you played the Cardinals, those are always big games. And obviously, whenever you're in a game plan against the Cardinals as a pitcher, you're always looking at pool holes. They had other great hitters in their lineup, of course, but that's always the guys you're going to focus on. And, you know, talking with, you know, Astros pitchers who faced them, you know, I remember one conversation I had with Roy Oswald about this. And, you know, you, you just get so used to facing him that it's, you know, it's a challenge, but it's something that, that you just grow accustomed to. Yeah, I, I mean, when you face the guys that are in your own division uh, towards the end of the year, they've seen you. It doesn't matter how many different pitchers they've seen you, you still get the the hitters still are familiar with you and it, it that you can almost throw the scouting reports out the window yeah because if you stick with a scouting report too long then they're going to understand what you're doing and and it's just they're going to get you but you know day in and day out you just kind of have to try to fool them and be accurate and uh and and you know, like like Roy said, you just get accustomed to to uh, facing them. Well, here comes Pulse again. Yeah, here we go. You know, and it, it's a it's a great challenge, though. Uh, you know, what better moment than to facing probably one of the greatest right-handed hitters, if not the greatest right-handed hitter of all time? I mean, I got to do it many of times, and and I cherish those those challenges. And isn't a lot of facing some of those guys what you do to the guys in front of them? Because, I mean, it's a lot, obviously, it's a lot different when you're facing an Albert Pujols in his prime with no one on and two out, uh, rather than if, you know, there's a situation where you have a few runners on and, and you know, you, you, he has a chance to really do some damage. Yeah, well, there, there was a time in, uh, actually, in the game that you played earlier, uh, you know, the, the game five of the 2004 season mm-hmm. uh, in LCS, I, I had one hit against against them, but in the seventh inning, I, I believe, he came up with the bases loaded. Pulls, yeah. Um, and I remember the conversation with, with uh, Jim Hickey, our pitching coach. He came out and said, hey, okay, everything's all right. Yeah, of course, I'm doing fine. And uh, what do you want to do here? And I said, I want to go in on him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think he thought I was crazy, but. You know, I, I wanted it, and he, and he said, okay. Austin disagreed, and, and uh, so I got my mind focused for the time that he walked back to the dugout, and Austin went back to the to the to behind the plate, and I just mentally threw that pitch probably ten times before I actually did, and first pitch, threw it in there, jammed him, popped him up to second base, and it was a huge out for me, and I think more than anything, the me, me versus Pujols, I really got him. Yeah. You know, not only did he not uh, succeed in that moment, but I really beat him because I got in on him and jammed him and deflated him, so to speak. So uh, it was a big moment for me um, in the game, but also me versus Pujols. Also, too, when you talk about facing the great hitters in your division that you see a lot, 
uh, isn't a lot of it too? Because as you mentioned, you can't, you have to change it up. You can't always do the same thing against a lot of hitters, but especially the really good ones that you see a lot. But isn't a lot of it too just kind of what your strength is on that day and, and what you feel like is working for you? Because I'm sure there are other days when you didn't want to go in on pool holes because maybe that wasn't your particular strength on that particular day. Yeah, I mean, you know, I threw four pitches, you know, fastball, curveball, slider, and changeup. But a lot of times with pitchers that have those four pitches, especially a curveball and a slider, one's going to interrupt the other right. on any given day. Hard to have both of them working same time. Exactly. Well, you know, I might have a curveball that day, but it's it's not as sharp as my slider because my maybe my slider is is I'm trying to throw the curveball too hard. Right. Like I would a slider, and so it's there, but it's not as as sharp. Um, typically, that was it for me, but uh, I found out a way to fi- to help that out by having two different curveballs, meaning two different speeds. Hmm. So I had my normal harder breaking ball that was usually around 77 miles an hour but then i also try to throw one that was below 73 uh somewhere between 71 and 73 uh that will make me keep that ball to to have a better break and just the speed differential alone uh every now and then throwing it out there uh, i I think helped me um but uh but yeah you know the, the good hitters that's what they're out there for they can make adjustments uh, even though you're making adjustments at the same time, but there are there are some hitters out there that just cannot make it make the adjustment, and you stick with the game plan, and you're going to have success. Well, more with Brandon Backy. I'd like to remind you to get ready, Astros fans. Baseball season's right around the corner. You can find fresh Astros merchandise for the upcoming season by visiting the Astros team store. Purchase customized jerseys, Astros gear, hats, and more. Visit astros.com slash team store to see what's available today. We'll have more with Astros pitcher Brandon Backy on Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, live from Plucker's Wing Bar and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, live from Plucker's Wing Bar at 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston. World Baseball Classic returns March 6th to the 22nd. Don't miss your chance to see the best players represent and compete for their countries, including some of your favorite Astros. Get your tickets now at worldbaseballclassic.com. They actually announced the World Baseball Classic rosters earlier today, and there's seven Astros who will be participating. Carlos Beltran and Carlos Correa will be on Team Puerto Rico. Jose Altuve playing for Venezuela. Nori Aoki. The Astros picked up this offseason from Seattle. He's going to be playing for Japan. Two players on Team USA, Luke Gregerson, who played uh, for Team USA back in 2013. Also, Alex Bregman will be playing for Team USA. And how about this? Kevin Chapman, he's going to be on Team Canada, lefty reliever. His dad was born in Canada, so he's eligible to play for, for Team Canada. So seven Astros will be competing in the World Baseball Classic. And, again, that's March 6th through the 22nd. So will be taking place uh, throughout spring training. Robert Ford joined by... Uh, Astros pitcher Brandon Backey and uh, coming back from break here we heard from manager A.J. Hinch talking the other day to some season ticket holders about uh, what this team's expectations are and uh, and I really like the way A.J. put it about uh, how he, he talked to the team uh, at the end of last season and said you know are you interested in winning next year or are you committed to winning next year and I really like that because that, that there, there, there's a difference it's I mean everybody's interested in winning but how how committed are you going to be to actually taking those steps to to win absolutely that that goes with decisions that you make in off season right season um, you know I, I, I love AJ he I, I really through the years or I really haven't gotten to talk to him a whole lot but um, you know after after Jeff Bagwell's uh, 
little deal he had here oh, a couple yeah, the, Mondays the ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually talked to AJ a little bit on our way on our walk back and and uh, had a little conversation with him and and I I really got to like him. I wish I could still play for him. I think he'd be a great manager to play for. And uh, the the words that he spoke just then before we came on uh, got me fired up. I mean. As a player, I don't see how you, you could like anything less than that. I mean, more than that. He, uh, he's got me fired up, and I can't even play anymore. But uh, <laughs> I'm excited. He's right. He's right about everything that he said. You know, we've got great players coming coming back. We've got great players that are coming aboard. And uh, his words about being committed is, is exactly true. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of things that go on that, that most people don't understand. You know, for a 7 o'clock ball game, most, most of the players are getting in about 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, just to put their work in. I can speak for myself as far as a, a starting pitcher is concerned. And, and I heard from the, from the great Roger Clemens. He said, you know, we pitch every five days. That's our fun day. The other four are work days. We yep. get ourselves ready and prepared for that next start. It's a constant grind. And, uh, you know, the miles that we run, the the uh, sprints that we run, the weights that we lift, it all is it, it, it's all a routine. And it's to maintain your your level of uh, competition. How uh, how much do you keep up with the Astros these days? You, you watch a lot of the games. You come out to the ballpark a whole lot. I I've been I watch a lot more now than I did uh, a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when I when I was forced to step away from the game, uh, I got, kind of got in the funk. I think which most most players do. You do it for so long, and and then all of a sudden it's taken away from you, and and uh, you know you kind of don't know what to do, but also fall into a little bit of uh, mental depression. Yeah, uh, because of that. So, uh, and the last thing I wanted to do at the time was watch baseball. Um, and and yeah, at the time, you know, I, I'm I'm a diehard fan. I always have been and always will. Uh, but with what was going on in my life at the time, and and uh, and and the performance on the field that we were getting from the Astros then was was not appealing. I did not want to watch it. Uh, I didn't want to watch my Astros lose. I didn't want to. They didn't want to watch baseball in general. Um, but certainly the last few years I have been getting more and more involved uh, at home watching and me more and more involved going to games. I actually talked to Jeff Lunau this, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, and I, I told him, I said, I would love to just be a part of, of, of uh, the clubhouse anytime that I can just to talk to some of these players. Maybe I have one thing that will touch one of those guys to perform at their at his highest level or have the best year or best game at that moment. Uh, you just never know. There's, it's not just what I've accomplished. It's it's more so the things that I learned from the guys that I played with, the Bagwell, the BGOs, right, uh, the Clemens, the Pettits. Uh, you know, the list goes on. I play with many and many of, of quality players and even better guys. So I learned a lot from them, from from just how to how to act, and and then also how to get a regiment. You know, you've got to have a routine as a, as a starting pitcher, as any player really. But 
I can only speak as a starting pitcher because that's what I did most of the time and what I did last. You, uh, you know, we talked earlier, you know, you have the baseball school out in Alvin, uh, not too far from where you live in League City, and, and you work with kids. Do you have any desire to, to get back in the professional baseball in the coaching capacity, minor leagues, major leagues, anything along those lines? I, I would love to. Um, I, I really I love baseball. I mean, I've said it before, and, and uh, the, the only thing is is I've got a three- and a five-year-old at the house. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to do is be away from them for seven months, eight months out of the year, and not watch them grow. Right. Uh, they, are, they are my pride and joy. They are what I live for now, and uh, the last thing I want to do is to be apart from them uh, for an extended period of time. And so that that's really the only holdup for you, because it certainly sounds like you have the passion to, to oh. and you still work, and you work with kids, but you definitely have the passion to continue teaching the game and talking about the game. If I didn't have kids, I would be knocking on the Astros' door, saying, "There's got to be something that I can do for you." So. Uh, maybe when they get older and, and, and the Astros are still interested at the time, maybe, maybe it'll, it'll all happen. But, uh, you know, in the moment right now, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing for that with these younger players. You know, I, I'm, I'm learning how to be a better coach and how to, how, to, how to coach differently than what I thought was right in the very beginning. So, you know, every year I'm teaching the kids, but every year I'm learning from myself and from others. Well, Brandon Backey, Always good to see you. Uh, so glad you could join us. Great that you're still in the area. Of course, you've never you never left the area. You I won't this, leave. This is this is your home. But uh, uh, good to see you. Uh, great, great catching up and, and, and finding out what you're doing now. And obviously talking about some moments in your past and uh, you know a continued success. I'm sure we'll see you see you around a lot more at the ballpark and such uh, as the years go by. Absolutely, and likewise, I love being here. I thank for, I thank y'all for for inviting me out here each year and. Uh, you know, those throws, I, I can't wait to uh, see what we're going to do this year. I'm excited, and I hope everybody else is. We just need you all to come out to the games and support us. All right. That will just about do it for us this week. I'd like to thank everybody who made the broadcast possible. Studio producer is Bob Elliott. Producer engineer is Matt Bolts. I'd like to thank all the great people here at Pluckers, also all the great people at Carbach. Hey, don't forget, next Thursday the 16th, our next Astroline show and our final Astroline from Pluckers before the show moves down the spring training. I'm Robert Ford saying so long. You've been listening to Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company live from Pluckers Wing Bar and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.